Lock and Load. This is GeorgiaCarry.org Radio with Georgia Carry's Executive Director, Jerry Henry. GeorgiaCarry.org is Georgia's no-compromise voice for gun owners. The leader in the fight to reclaim and expand our Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms. Here's your host, Executive Director of GeorgiaCarry.org, Jerry Henry. Welcome to GeorgiaCarry.org Radio Hour. This is Saturday morning in downtown Atlanta. It's a beautiful day, at least so far. And uh, actually, I'm getting to the point where anything's a beautiful day if my feet hit the floor and I can stand up. It's uh, We've had a, had some rough goes here lately of uh, all the propaganda, and that's what I call it. We don't have any news anymore. We have propaganda in this country. And we're going through some of the same things that, that uh, has happened in the past in other countries. And I know people throw up red flags and talk about how I'm off base and I'm a conspiracy theory, but I have studied a little bit of history, and I know that in the in the 1930s that uh, there was one regime that was using kids to spread their message around, and that's kind of what we're doing today. We've got some billionaires, uh, Bloomberg and Soros, who are spending their money training these kids to go out. And paying them to go out and paying their way to various places, you know, the state capitals and all that, so they can have a dang demonstrations of of uh, how they think that our gun laws ought to be, how they think our constitution ought to be, and they don't have a clue why it's the way it is. They don't have a clue how it got to be that way. They don't have a clue how our country got to be the way it is. And we were not set up to be this way. Fortunately, we've been able to hold on to this country for the last uh, two hundred and something years, two hundred and fifty. Or, uh, 35 years or so, uh, and I, I'm just I'm just hoping we can continue to do the same thing. I had a, a I talked to a reporter this week, and it became very obvious to me when I talked to him that they were going by their template. That's all they were doing. They were going right by their template. They had no idea what an AR-15 was, what it did, what kind of power it had, or anything else. The first thing they came out with was one of the gun prohibitionists. Uh, nobody hunts with a nobody needs to hunt with an AR-15. Well, that's not true. Obviously, that's uh, now become one of the most popular hunting rifles in the in the country, and and therefore probably the world. But the ATF is looking at making it uh, a instead of a sporting rifle, making a hunting rifle, uh, classifying it as such. Because people use it all over the place. And, of course, the first thing they came back with, well, who's going to put 30 bullets in a deer? <laughs> Some crazy dude, obviously, because they thought, she thought, that once you pull the trigger, all 30 bullets went out and hit the deer. And who would want to eat meat with that many bullets in it? Well, obviously, not right. Um, and they, it, it. It was a long talk. It was something that, that I kind of enjoyed because I could see the light bulb come on every once in a while. One of the things that was said, and, and this is something that's from their template, is, well, don't you think there should be a common ground? Is there not some common ground we can meet on? And I said, well, we already have a com- common ground. It's called the Constitution. And I looked at the reporter and I said, okay, let's talk about common ground. You're a reporter. What part of the First Amendment are you willing to give up to make me happy? Because I don't want to hear everything you get to say. And it was like a light bulb came on and they said, okay, now I understand a little bit more. And that's what we need to do. We need to get other people to to understand that when you lose these rights that we have and that we've had for so long, 
once you lose any part of it, it's gone forever. And the more you lose, the more you will continue to lose. And once the Second Amendment goes, the rest of them will be gone as well. And if you don't believe that, go back and look through history one more time and see what's happened in every country where the government has taken over farms and not given you the right to own one to protect yourself. I ask another question, too, and I've asked it before, back when we had uh, the public gathering. How long do you think slavery would have lasted if the blacks had had guns? Wouldn't have lasted very long, I don't think. So, at any rate, I, I'm, I'm kind of getting off track about some of the things I want to do for the show today, but I'm, I just want you to understand that we are being played the whole uh the whole United States is being played, and we're being played by mostly the media and by George Soros and, and uh, Michael Bloomberg and his every town for gun safety and moms demanding action and all that kind of good garbage, that they are playing us, and they're using a propaganda war to get your rights. And uh, nobody on the other side that's on, that they're being pushed by them has ever stopped to say, well, if I if I take their right away, what right am I going to lose? And I'll tell you, it's every one of them. So you need to be talking to your neighbors. You need to let everybody know we need more members. We always need more members. We need people that to get uh, to get agitated like I am and get ready to do something about it because we've got a big fight coming in the in the next few years. I don't care who you think you are or what you know. We're probably going to have a big fight, and now's the time to get armed and ready to go. Um, I will tell you uh, once again that uh, we're coming up close to the end of the the uh, session here, General Assembly session in Georgia, and unless some miracle happens, we're not going to get anything this year, partly due, in fact, to the, uh, the way that the shooting was handled in Florida and the timing of the shooting. Uh, and plus, uh, we've... Uh, We've asked an awful lot of our legislators for the last several years, and they've uh, they've come through for us. And quite frankly, several of them are getting tired of having to push upstream to get some of these things passed. So we'll uh, we'll accept that we didn't get anything this year. There's been other years when we didn't get them, but we will be back knocking on the door again next year. Uh, and we will hope that we get a governor that's uh, gun friendly and that we can maintain the uh, majorities that we have in the House and Senate. If we can do that, we'll be in good shape. Now, I'll get off my my soap opera, and I will introduce my guest today. It's a guest that I've had on before. He's uh, he's uh, a very interesting and entertaining person. He uh, has an awful lot of knowledge about self-defense. And so, uh, without further ado, I want to introduce Brian Hill, the uh, complete combatant. Uh, and uh, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me again. Well. Tell me a little bit more. Tell our customers and our listeners. I know we've you've been on before. We've talked about what you've done. You were at the the ninth annual convention last year, and I'm pretty sure you're going to be at the tenth annual this year, uh, putting on uh, uh, one of our breakout programs. So let's talk a little bit about uh, about the complete combatant. What you uh, what your approach to self defense, etc., and everything is. I just want to thank you for your passion too for for the Second Amendment and for our rights and everything you guys do. It's uh, it's refreshing to be amongst people that feel the same way and look out for us. So thank, thank you. you very much. Well, you're quite welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for sitting there putting up with that that five or six minute diatribe there. But uh, I actually thought it might last longer if we got it. <laughs> <laughs> on a roll. But, uh, so tell us a little bit about the Complete Combatant. Uh, we've made a course that uh, is for the armed citizen, 
and I use the word citizen, not civilian, because we are we are citizens of the United States, and we have all the rights inferred as a citizen. And um, self-defense is a very complicated issue because not only do we have to understand the mindset and the preparation before uh, an event happens and how to avoid it, but we also have to understand how to use different parts and aspects of our self-defense tools and preparations and uh, pre-need decision-making. But we also operate under the laws of the land, so we need to understand legally what our rights are and how we can best defend ourselves and make sure that if we do save our life with a firearm or with self-defense techniques that we don't end up spending the rest of the time in jail. Uh, we want to know how to interact with the uh, first responders and provide medical services and make sure that we say them right, the right and do the right things all the way through. So from the beginning of the first signs of danger all the way to the legal battle, um, that's the idea of the complete combatant and how to integrate these various systems together. Uh, and um, you you um, you have training programs just for these. Now you, you don't. Mm. It's not just one program, is it? Right. It's a whole series of programs. Yeah. Uh, we start everybody with our proactive mindset, um, which is kind of an introduction, and it's for people that maybe haven't considered what self defense truly means. Um, we start with basic awareness, mindset, preparation, pre-need decision-making, and we develop their intuition and how they're going to deal with danger. And it's not necessarily for the armed citizen. It's for anybody. So as we work through that, it gives us a chance to actually um, make a bridge to people maybe that have never considered this. Uh, we get a lot of people from different walks of life that come to that program, and uh, that's our real introduction to what we're doing. It's a great way to start. Um, then after that, we have several other programs that we jump right into. Right, so. right. You, you start off low yeah. and, and work your way yeah. up. I think it's uh, I think it's kind of amazing to me that there's a lot of people that don't realize that that they don't know a whole lot about self defense. Mm-hmm. They they think they do. They think they can defend themselves, and mm-hmm. and maybe when they were kids they could. Maybe when they mm-hmm. were much younger, they could. But when you get a little bit older, you get a bit, little bit. Uh, uh, it makes it a little bit, uh, or it's a little more difficult for you to move quickly, mm-hmm. and uh, you still think pretty quick, but your body doesn't doesn't always go where the mind wants it to do, and it, and you don't have the strength that you did in most instances, mm-hmm. and you need to learn another approach to mm-hmm. taking care of that. Yeah, this is, uh, you know, we have to know what our capacity and our capabilities are, right? And we have to plan in advance for this so we make good decisions. But we get caught up on talking about tools. Instead of talking about what's really important, our ability to think and right. to do and act. That computer up here in the top of your head is the smartest thing, the best <laughs> thing you got. And, and a lot of times it will keep you out of trouble if you listen to it and, and uh, just not go where you think there might be trouble. Yes. Uh, you know, but you know how us guys are. we got to be macho and <laughs> tough and we, we nobody can whip us. We're Superman, 10 foot tall and bulletproof. <laughs> uh, we're coming up to a break here. I want to remind everybody to go to georgiacary.org website. You can join, you can uh, renew, you can uh, hear, see everything that we've done. You can find our contact information. You can download the podcast here uh, of this program and and uh, the preceding programs. I believe this is a number, what, 131 or two, somewhere in there. Uh, so you, there's an awful lot of listening there if you want to uh, listen on it. Uh, and uh, you can download the podcast here at Newstalk1160.com, and we'll be right back. And now, back to GeorgiaCarry.org Radio with GeorgiaCarry.org's Executive Director, Jerry Henry. Welcome back to GeorgiaCarry.org Radio Hour. 
I'm here again with Brian Hill from The Complete Combatant. Uh, when we left, we were talking about uh, various things that, that uh, you do, various courses, and, and we talk, start off with a, with the introduction, and then we're kind of working our way down. And one of the things that you said, I know we've discussed before, uh, is awareness. Mm-hmm. Not only aware of what, and, and I probably should be letting you say this, but, but you should not only be aware of what's around you and where you're going, where you've been, but you should also be aware of how you carry yourself. If you walk around like you're scared to death, you're making yourself a target. If you walk around like I'm not afraid of anything, it's less likely to be a target because they will they will uh, get a victim that they think is much less weaker than you or much weaker than you are. Mm-hmm. The selection process tends to be binary, so it's either a hard yes or it's a hard no. Um, they make it very quickly, and it's a practiced behavior, um, just like an apex predator would in the animal kingdom. They're looking for somebody who is not paying attention, somebody who's slower, weaker, injured, um, easily distracted, easily cowed into the position. Um, the ability to carry yourself with a sense of confidence and to be able to make eye contact and, and to be aware of your surroundings. And, of course, we can't stay situationally aware all the time, but we change as we move from one environment to the next sure. and cycle up and down. And it gives us a big advantage because the one thing we really do well as humans is see. Right. And we have to use our eyes. And there's a lot of distractions in the world now. Well, we have to see and think as <laughs> yeah. well. Because uh, once again, that, that one of the, the most important things is use your brain. Mm-hmm. And I know from uh, some of the things that I've done in the past, uh, you get – I shoe horses for a living and a half for the last 30 years or so. And you get to the point where you get overconfident. You get mm-hmm. comfortable. One of the things that I – I started off shoeing my own horses, and I was very comfortable with them because they were dead broke. And I realized one day doing somebody else's horses, I need to be – I need to wake up because it's not always that way. Mm-hmm. And you have a tendency, and, and where I'm headed with that is you have a tendency, if you're in a safe environment all the time, you don't you don't become as aware as when you walk into another one. So you need to understand when you leave that environment, you're not sure what you're headed into, and you better mm-hmm. start thinking about where you're going and how you're going to uh, approach anything that might happen, I would, mm-hmm. would think. You know, we talk a lot about transitioning spaces. Um, every time you change an environment, whether it's leaving a building or stepping into an elevator or jumping into your car or your car pulling into your garage and getting out, um, your level of awareness has to change at that point. And that's the signal to you that, hey, I need to look around. And it's funny, the car is one of those things where we feel like we're in our own home, but it's made out of glass and right. nobody can see us. You yeah. know, So it gives us a good chance to to learn to change and to move in a different way and think about that. Um, as my friend Lee Weems likes to say in his course, familiarity breeds contempt. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've had horses, and, you know, the moment that you don't pay attention that's to that correct. horse, that's when it gets you. That's when you get in trouble. Yeah, and that's, you know, they're looking for it too. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know? I agree. You know, I I've have uh, I used to have a practice. I don't do it so much anymore, um, mainly because I lock my, my vehicle more than I used to, but, uh, when I was much younger and didn't lock my vehicles, one of the first things I'd do on a dark night is I would, I would when I opened the door, I would uh, swing the the front seat opener. I would, you know, I'd make sure mm-hmm. there was nothing behind the, the back mm-hmm. the the seat in behind me because that's a good way, at least in some of the movies, that that's how they get mm-hmm. people. You start driving down the road and all of a sudden somebody sits up in the back of your mm-hmm. car, 
And that always bothered me back then. Like I said, doesn't it do too much? I discovered door locks, and uh, you know I can pretty well tell if, the, if anything's happened to it when I get back, so or if there's a window missing or something. But uh, it's it's one of those things that you do need to be aware of, no matter where you are or what you're doing. It's so, probably one of our biggest arguments in class was like lock your doors. You yeah. think you were telling people to go do push-ups, and it's like just lock your door. Well, I'm in the house; it's fine. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> I know people that that never lock their house and yeah. still don't, and, and even in this time and age. And I think I just don't understand it. I, I'm, now I I don't lock my doors unless it's you know except at night, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, normally during the day, I'm walking around with a gun on my hip in the mm-hmm. house too. If, if I've been outside, once I put it on, I don't take it off till I till I get ready to go to bed. And uh, it, it's just it's just that extra to me. It's that extra caution. And mm-hmm. has it ever happened to me? No. Will it? No. My house hadn't caught on fire yet either, but I got fire alarms and extinguishers. So it to me, it's just an extra step that we need to take. Um, you know, right. it's not the odds, it's the stakes that's that matter. Correct. That's exactly what we're really right. talking about. So. You're exactly right. Um, are there any other programs that you really want to, to bring forth uh, to the people and make them aware, maybe a new program, or, or even go through some of the ones that we've gone through before? Yeah. Tell us a little bit about them. Uh, you know, one of the topics that keeps coming up is the, is the essentials for the armed citizen that goes beyond just carrying the firearm. And uh, one of the things that I put out is words, frames, sprays, tourniquets, phones, and these are the essentials uh, for the armed citizen. And it's really funny how little uh, people practice their verbal agility and how little they can actually talk during situations of stress. Um, you know, we move out of the forebrain, which is full of logic. That guy flees as soon as there's stress, and we mm-hmm. get in the midbrain, and we find that it's hard to talk. And it's something that needs to be practiced um, you know, I'm sure some of your listeners have read Verbal Judo, and uh, it's a great book that came out. But this is a loop of agility that we practice, and a lot of us just want to use a hard tactical no. Uh, if there's a situation, I'm just going to say, no, you can't do that. But what we try to teach is, you know, I'm sorry, I can't. No, I'm sorry, I don't. And understand what the person's trying to do. A lot of times when we're working with words, it's either I need to give a command or I'm being interviewed by a perpetual or somebody who may be attacking me in the future. And it's a good way for us to understand how to talk and not get caught up in it. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we do it with the firearms. We do it with the self-defense where they actually have to say certain things. And it's very funny. If you're a person that talks a lot, you can't shut up. And if you're a person that doesn't talk very much, we can't get you to say anything. And it takes actual practice to get used to talking to somebody under stress. Um, this is something that police officers do very well because they have to manage it all the time. Right. You know, and it's something maybe the armed citizen doesn't get to think about as much. What am I going to say? What am I going to do? What commands will I have to issue? Mm-hmm. How will I, even in a basic situation, what will I say if somebody approaches me at the gas station or walks up to me at my house or knocks on my door? Uh, it's something you need to practice and you need to have a pretty good loop for it and you need to be able to be agile with it and not be stuck. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, uh, and, um, I have to agree with that, and I also have to agree with it. If you are in a situation that in, has involved getting the police involved, you better be ready to talk then, too. And mm-hmm. that, uh, or, well, not talk. You need to learn the first thing you do is shut your mouth and say, I mm-hmm. want to talk to my attorney. Because you will say things mm-hmm. thinking that you're helping yourself, and mm-hmm. they will be recording it, and everything that you say can be used against you at that mm-hmm. point if you haven't asked for an attorney. So, uh, 
and I know you don't. That has nothing to do with your program, but it does have to do with verbal skills. So I yeah. thought I'd throw that in. Interestingly enough, we do that at the end of the course. Um, after we have uh, we have uh, actual scenarios that we run them through, and we get them into a high stress position. And then they have to deal with either a police officer coming in to deal with them. They have to make the 911 call. And after they get done, we give them 10 or 20 minutes to kind of decompress. And they mm-hmm. have to do a debrief with their lawyer. And then we do a review of what they actually say. So mm-hmm. it gives them a chance to do this because I can't imagine the first day of your life defending yourself. And you have to manage all these things at once without right. making a mistake. Right. And I'm telling you, some people, um, you know, they get on 911 and the things that come out of their mouth, oh, yeah. they can't believe what they're saying yep. and yeah. what they'll say to the police officer. And, you know, when the the professional interrogators show up, the detectives, they're going to get you to talk because they're really good at it. Yeah, that's you know? correct. And you're the good guy. You want to say what's right, but sometimes it's not right. your best interest. Right. Well, you, you want to tell them as you would your buddy. You know, like, hey, this would happen, you know, and and you hope that he has sympathy, and he may, but for the most part, mm-hmm. his job is to figure out what happened, who did mm-hmm. it, whose fault it was, and if you say things that will make him uh, think that it was you, then mm-hmm. you're in you're in trouble. It's it's unfortunate, but that's the way it is. It's it's another one of those fact of life that that uh, is sometimes a hard lesson learned. And we may find political pressure coming to bear later after it. Right. You may do a lot of things right, and then it's politically expedient to bring you to trial for some reason. Right. You know, so all that stuff can come right back out. We've seen several self-defense cases that were dismissed at the scene as good right. self-defense cases, but political pressure brought it back right. to the forefront. So right. it's very important to protect yourself and understand uh, your legal requirements, and that's why we right. do the law of self-defense with everybody in our class. Right. Well, obviously, the police can say that it was a good shooting, but uh, mm-hmm. they they can't stop the case. The That's DA right. can still come back That's and say, it. no, it wasn't a good shooting. Mm-hmm. We've had several of those happening here in Atlanta even mm-hmm. uh, in the past. Uh, and depending on, uh, you know, depending on how different people read it, want to see it one way, want to see it the other way. Mm-hmm. And it's... Uh, and you got to understand also if you uh, if someone is an aggressor to you and uh, they turn around and leave then you can't if you if you attack them again mm-hmm. now you're the aggressor so mm-hmm. you got to be careful about that because that can tear you up as well and there's just so many things you can get in trouble with uh, and I found what you said one of the best things you had going for you was your voice but that's also one of the things that gets you in more trouble and you never get out of you need to practice it, you know. You got to. <laughs> well, I'm going to practice going to break right now. Uh, go to georgiacarry.org. Uh, the purpose of this show is is to uh, expand our uh, view and let people know who we are and what we do. Go to our website. You can join. You can follow us at uh, Georgia Carry on Twitter. I'm at Got Your Back 64. You can download the podcast there. You can see everything we've done. You can download the commercial free podcast here at NewsTalk1160.com. And we'll be right back. And now, back to GeorgiaCarry.org radio with GeorgiaCarry.org's executive director, Jerry Henry. Welcome back to GeorgiaCarry.org radio hour. Uh, here once again with uh, Brian Hill of the Complete Combatant. Um, we were talking earlier. You you brought up uh, words, frames, sprays, tourniquets, phone, and the essential accessories for an armed citizen. So I believe we got to sprays. Mm-hmm. Okay, tell me about the tourniquets. I, I got a feeling I know, but 
I have a feeling that has to do with uh, with some sort of uh, medical attention. Well, you know, we're all finding out that we we kind of truly are on our own in these situations, and we have to be our own first responders, cliche as that term has become. Um, you know, in the city of Atlanta, the, the recognized response time is 11 minutes and 11 seconds. So mm-hmm. that's a lot of time to be, be hurt after a situation or to be injured. And what we do in our course is make sure that people understand the basic application of a tourniquet so if they have an arterial bleed on a limb, that they can stop it. Um, we show them how to shut off the box and pack gauze if they need to during it. And they get some basic stabilization training so mm-hmm. that, you know, we have one of the finest medical systems. If they can get to you, they're going to save you. Right. Um, but we need to stop the bleeding, and we need to be able to do that. And, uh, you know, buying a tourniquet is one thing, but actually applying a tourniquet after you've been in a tussle mm-hmm. and you've had to draw your firearm, and maybe it's you or someone you love, is very difficult. So we give them the chance under stress and we put them on the clock and we say, you have 30 seconds, go. And they get to apply the tourniquet at least three or four times over a 12-hour course. And they get to do it under real stress. The brain doesn't know any different. Um, You know, once you get stressed, you're stressed. It doesn't matter if it's it's imagined or real. And uh, this is a great chance and it gives them a chance to work out how they want to carry a tourniquet, how they use it, and how to understand basic medical skills. And Mm -hmm. then we go back to the words. They learn how to talk and get information and get medical treatment at the same time. A lot of people never thought about medical treatment. How do I get to the phone while I'm providing this? How do I get help? So um, once again, it's it's an opportunity to train it, practice it. Well, as we were discussing during the break, uh, most people uh, may not think about it, but the majority of people that die from a gunshot wound don't Mm -hmm. die from the wound itself. Mm -hmm. Doesn't die because it tore up a a vital organ. They die because they bleed Mm -hmm. out. And there's somebody that can stop that bleeding. If they can keep you breathing or if you can keep yourself breathing, until the medical team arrives, then you've mm-hmm. got a great chance of surviving. But if you sit there and bleed out, mm-hmm. which many of us would do, because I doubt there's very many people running around right now with tourniquets that haven't had your course. You know, a lot of people don't understand that the murder rate dropped because uh, so many people survive it. Right. And it becomes an aggravated assault instead, you know. And or attempted a, murder. Yeah, attempted murder. Mm-hmm. And they changed it because now it's an aggravated assault sort of situation. Um, that they're surviving because we have extremely good medical care for gunshot wounds. Right, right. You know, that's what's really changed. Now, it doesn't make any difference to me if, if, you've, if you've damaged me and shot me and hurt me. You know, I'm going to be pretty upset about oh, that. Oh, sure, you know? sure. But being able to provide some sort of medical care, whether it's to yourself or a loved one or somebody standing by, right. uh, what a great asset to this. And this is just an intro to a medical program. We really sure. suggest you get into a course, you know, with our friends at Lone Star or Dark Angel Medical or someplace like that. They do a great job. Okay. Uh, well, you mentioned phones in that. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's funny. We spend so much time on the phone, um, but a lot of people never consider that their right hand may be very busy. They may have a pistol. They may have been injured. Um, they may not be able to access it. Uh, I know my phone has a thumb scanner, and um, if you have to work it with the left hand, it means you have to put a code in. Right. And you have to do this under stress, and you may be sweaty, or you may have blood on your hands. So we give them an actual chance to pick up the phone and actually manipulate it while they're stressed out, and then what they need to say on the 911 call. Because mm. as we know, the 911 call is admissible in court. That's correct. So it's very important. There's several things we want to say, and we teach them not to say too much, Say a little is the program we try to stay with, but, you know, right. what your location is, what the nature of the emergency is, why you defended yourself, and, and uh, that you need medical care. And being able to make a good 911 call is probably a, 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 one of the most important skills. 
Um, my, my mother has some health problems and I had to summon, uh, rescue several times for her. And I got done with the 911 caller and she was like, Hey, you're really good at this. She goes, you got me all the information and you knew who to ask for and you mm-hmm. knew what to do because we practice it. Right. You know, and this is what it always comes down to. We go to the range and we shoot. So we're better shooters. Well, we should practice all these other skills that we're going to count on instead of trying to rise to the level of our expectations right. when it happens. Right. Right. Well, everybody thinks they can. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that makes it easy. <laughs> so, um, what other uh, essential accessories for the armed you know, shooter can you come up with? Or armed talk, citizen, rather. It's always good to have a non-lethal option, um, and sometimes we miss this. That you know, we carry a firearm, or we get martial arts techniques, and I don't think a lot of people understand that the nature of many martial arts techniques, whether it's striking or it's a grappling-based system, is lethal. You know, mm-hmm. if I'm hitting you in the head until you lose conscious, that's considered lethal force. Right. If I choke you unconscious or I break your limbs, that's still lethal force. So what are you going to do when the situation doesn't require you going to the gun, but you really need to get rid of someone? And uh, we've incorporated using uh, pepper spray or OC in our courses, and it gives a chance for people to learn how to get it out of their pocket, how to deploy it, and understand how to spray somebody and what the ramifications of that are going to be. Um, you're probably going to have far more casual contacts where spray would be a greater help than the firearm's going to be. Mm-hmm. You know, when you need the firearm, you're going to really need it. Right. But having an option like, uh, you know, we recommend a Sabre Red um, pepper spray is a great, fantastic thing. And it doesn't matter how physically fit or how tough you are now. If you're injured or you're sick or you're aging, all those things are going to diminish your capacity. And having something like a non-lethal option like pepper spray is great. Women that have to go into garages at night, and men too, walking to your car, having that in your hand, uh, elevates the way you think and mm-hmm. the way you act. And it may simply deselect you by having that tool. But if you do need it, it's a great option to have. And uh, they're fairly simple. They work pretty well now. When I first started with them, um, you know, they weren't regulated very well, so we didn't know what was in them. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you got mixed results. But uh, some of the top manufacturers now make really good sprays, and they are a spicy treat. And you will get a reaction out mm-hmm. of somebody. And it may just be enough distance for you to get away from them. Okay. Uh, by the way, next time you say aging, don't look at me so hard. <laughs> oh god uh, i apologize just, for my uh, behavior just, just, kidding, just, kidding. just kidding i meant it more than anybody so it's not a big deal um uh, now i forgot where i was going to go with that one um but oh i was going to say i you know i live out on uh, on 40 acres and, and when i go outside at night mm-hmm. I, i've always got my firearm in my hand mm-hmm. you know if it's if it's after i've gone to bed or if it's after I've gotten ready for bed, and then I will uh, I will walk outside with it in my hand mm-hmm. if I hear something or if we think there might be something. Or I just want to go outside. I do because you never know what's going to happen on on property. Mm-hmm. Never know who's going to be standing behind what. And you know, my I've got a brother that told me, uh, told my sister numerous times that somebody's going to take my gun away from me and and shoot me with it and I, or kill me with it. And I said to him, well. <laughs> It'll have to beat me to death because it'll be empty when he gets it. <laughs> but uh, it's uh, – I just – when I go outside, I, that's what I do. I mm-hmm. just – I make it a habit. I don't leave – I don't go through the door without the gun in my hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, I don't live in a rough neighborhood, but I'm in the country, and you never know mm-hmm. what's going to happen. You never know who's going to pull up down the road, climb mm-hmm. across the fence, and come over. So you, that, again, to me, kind of goes back to the situational awareness. You've got to be aware – no matter where you are, even in your own home, mm-hmm. you've got to be aware. 
inside the home and outside the home. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you, and you know it's it's really a sad thing that we've come to in this country, to where you can't trust anybody. Mm-hmm. I mean, you if somebody shows up at your door at, at ten o'clock at night, and they didn't mm-hmm. call, you don't know them. They may need all the help in the world, but you're going to be very suspicious about why they're there at ten o'clock at night. Yeah, that's one of the things we teach people is that um, you know people don't understand people that are truly evil. Um, right. You know, the, uh, William April, who's a great trainer, has uh, has a violent criminal actor series that really helps people understand it because most good people don't realize that the bad guys think they're the good guys, and they think you're the problem, and yeah. whatever you have is their right. Right. To have. Right. And you're simply keeping them. You're the Walmart. Yep. Yeah. You're keeping them from whatever they wanted. Well, obviously, you could afford it or you wouldn't have it. That's right. And so it's their right. It's their right to take mm-hmm. it and do whatever they want to. Um, in fact, I had a uh, – right after we moved out to our place about 17, 18 years ago, we had a guy show up uh, at the back door. I, I don't have a front door. I only have a back door. And uh, – I went outside, and the guy was obviously drunk, and, and he had hurt himself. He had, he had fallen off a wall. He got in a fight with his girlfriend. She put him out, and he's walking down, and there's a cemetery there with a, a wall about six foot high. He got up on that wall and fell off and actually broke both his legs. But he crawled about a block and a half to get to my house for help, and he told me what happened. So I said, okay, and called the, the cops or called the, uh, call the ambulance. And when I got there, they said, well, where is he? And I said, he's around there. I said, he's drunk as a skunk. And, and the guy immediately dialed uh, 911 and got the cops out there before he'd even go look at him because, you know, how drunks are. Even mm-hmm. the, this guy was, was fine. It wasn't a problem. Didn't create anything. The only thing was the, as the, when the policeman got there, he asked him what happened. He told him, and he said, well, he said, I'm going to tell you something, son. You're lucky. When you come up to this house at time of night, you didn't get shot. <laughs> so, I said, no, we, we wouldn't do that. Uh, time to take another break here. I want to remind you, go to georgiacarry.org, our website. You can follow us at georgiacarry on Twitter. I'm at gotyourback64. You can uh, renew. You can download uh, anything that we've done, the podcast here at the radio station. You can download uh, this commercial-free broadcast uh, at newstalk1160.com, and we will be right back. And now, back to GeorgiaCarry.org Radio with GeorgiaCarry.org's Executive Director, Jerry Henry. Welcome back to GeorgiaCarry.org Radio Hour. I'm here once again with Brian Hill from The Complete Combatant. We've talked about several things uh, in your programs. Uh, you're going to have to tell them before you leave, at least, where you are, where you're <laughs> located, and how they can get in touch with you, because uh, I'm sure there'll be a lot of people that want these programs. Uh, we've talked about different segments of the population, and one of the fastest-growing segments of the population for farms owner, new farms owner, is uh, women. And I'm assuming that there's an awful lot of women that are in need of training, too. Uh, what do you have in the way of training for women uh, specifically designed to help them uh, as what what I've always called a weaker sex till I found out otherwise. <laughs> Didn't take long. To, uh, 46 years of marriage, I'll do that to you. But uh, what what do you offer for women, uh, both from a beginning standpoint up through? Mm-hmm. 
we uh, try to tailor our plans towards uh, each individual person that comes through our door. And we spend a lot of time developing a women's only program. Uh, we call it our personal performance, and we teach that with Claude Warner. And that's an NRA basic introduction course uh, so they can get to the distinguished expert with defensive pistol. Um, they come out, they learn basics of how to hold the gun and how to shoot with it, but they also work through it and they get a better shot. They learn how to work up their group and um, it's a really fun thing and it sets a standard for shooting. Uh, in our courses, um, almost all our courses are half and half now, half men and half women. Good. Um, it's, you know, my wife is very good at reaching out and uh, making the women feel comfortable. Um, a lot of times as guys, as trainers, um, we speak a different language, we act in a different way, and we're not as inclusive as, as we should be. And it's really nice for her to be the ambassador of self-defense yes. and get women through the front door. And uh, they just totally excel once they get into it because it's a program based around their strengths and their weaknesses as we all have it. And as we talk about in class, you know, women live in the land of giants. Right. Uh, I weigh 230 pounds. Right. I'm six foot one. Mm-hmm. You know, I usually outweigh all the female clients by 100 pounds. Right. And that's, you know, I can't imagine as a man walking around with guys that are 350. Yeah. You know, and I have to defend myself. So they have a very certain set of circumstances that they need filled and they need tools that work for them. And they also need to be uh, able to make good decisions based around their daily wear and the things that they encounter in their life. Right. And uh, that's it's just a it's a great way to get it in. And it's so in. Uh, I got to say, as a coach, it's really fulfilling to help people for the first time learn to shoot, mm-hmm. learn to defend themselves, mm-hmm. or introduce them to the world of self-defense. Right. right. Well, I, you were talking about the the women excelling. Uh, I had a conversation with a guy yesterday. You know, we uh, we being GeorgiaCarry.org uh, sponsor the Georgia High School uh, shooting team. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people don't know that Georgia Carry or Georgia High School has shooting teams, but they do. They have a state championship, which is, uh, I think, in April this year, April twenty eighth, as a matter of fact. And um, we we sponsor the all state team. And I will tell you that we've been doing it now for I believe five years, and there's never been more than three guys on any of those teams. Mm-hmm. And there's plenty of guys out there that are shooting, mm-hmm. but the ones that excel are the women. Mm-hmm. Or the girls, rather. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, just uh, the first year that we uh, sponsored the team, a sophomore from uh, up north Georgia, I forget the name of the school, but she uh, not only was the captain of the team that day at the state meet, she set the record for a rifle shoot, 22 small bore, in the state of Georgia mm-hmm. as a sophomore. Wow. Now, We've got guys that have been shooting forever. And what I always say about guys, it's uh, we we grew up watching Roy Rogers, and so we know how to carry a gun. We know how to shoot. <laughs> we know how to throw the bullets out there and all that, and we don't need any instruction because we're smarter than the gun is. The women don't approach it that way. They want to know exactly what to do. They listen, and they follow instructions. And, guys, I don't care who you are, don't do it. It mm-hmm. just when you most of the i would think and you correct me if i'm wrong but most of the people that most of the guys that you come that come into you for training for the first training they've done you have to retrain them Mm -hmm. you have to go back to ground zero because they've got so many bad habits that you've got to break them before you can get them into the good habits Mm -hmm. they also come in with the strangers equipment oh the strangest attitude sometimes you know oh yeah yeah Um, because it's it's you know i don't want to say that we we learn differently 
but there's a different way of communication. And um, if somebody's lost in class, uh, a woman will ask a question immediately right. where a guy doesn't want to be embarrassed that right. way. And right. that's where we really see the divergence in their teaching styles. Right. Right. You know? Okay, so explain a little bit more uh, about how you approach teaching the women as a, uh, compared to teaching men. And we discussed a little bit of, of their the difference in the learning philosophy or the, the manner that they learn. Uh, how do you how do you approach a first time shooter as a, a first time lady shooter? Uh, we have a great class called Close Quarter Decisions. It's for women, and it's uh, a primary a class of how to get to your gun, how to keep your gun, or how to take a gun away from someone, and how to escape the situation. Um, you know, a lot of martial arts schools they they, they want to teach everybody to kick and punch and fight, but they don't teach people to run away when they need to. Right. Um, so we teach them how to develop space and how to extract themselves from the situation and how to keep the gun if they go to it. Um, we want it to be a talisman to make the bad guy go away, but sometimes they're just simply not intimidated by it. Mm-hmm. So we develop several courses that we have, um, the personal performance, the close quarter decisions that are women's only classes and they mm-hmm. really learn how to shoot or they learn how to do some combatives. Um, we have proactive mindset course that's, uh, directly related to them and we get them to game plan how their life is and how somebody would attack them. Right. So it gives them a chance to work through all these things that's specific just for them. So they make up a scenario yep. from, from their daily lives mm-hmm. and what would happen if I were at this place and something happened yes. so that they can kind of kind of feel like they've gone through it before if it yeah. ever happens having a good plan is great right you know having no plan is horrible right i, yeah. I, I won't disagree <laughs> with that and, and that's what most of us have is no plan at all we yeah. get right down to it mm-hmm. uh and uh, and if you don't have a plan if you're not um if you're not exercised in in how to uh, execute that plan then you might as well not have a plan you know, yep. you carry it in your back pocket written down because nothing's going to happen <laughs> uh you're still in a bad bad place uh, have you got anything coming up uh, in the future besides Georgia Curie Convention? Yeah, my wife came up with a great idea. Uh, she's doing a mingle for all the ladies in the firearm and self-defense industry, and this is on May 19th, um, and all ladies are invited. Um, you can email us to get an official invite. And what this is is uh, bringing the top female trainers and people in the industry together to network and to build a stronger base for them. Um, it's a great event. Uh, it's a it's a dinner and get together and to socialize. And uh, it's really interesting how this has spider webbed out and allowed us to bring more women into our classes also. Mm-hmm. Um, we're doing a national ride uh, online raffle. And this raffle is the top trainers in the firearm community from all over the nation. And they've all donated their classes. And you can do it online. It's only $25 for most of the classes. Uh, just a brief idea we've got craig douglas uh, tom givens carl wren masada Yub, chuck haggard um, we've got larry lindeman william april paul sharp lee weems cecil birch spencer keepers um, marty hayes from the armed citizens defense network if you're a training junkie for 25 bucks you get a chance to win a 400 500 course Good. to train okay. and it benefits the our our charity, Rachel's Rest, and the Mingle. Yeah. So, uh, you you mentioned they could email you. You need to tell them where they can email you. Probably <laughs> uh, help. It's We're, pretty easy. Thecompletecombatant.com uh, or gmail.com. Okay. And then you can find us at thecompletecombatant.com. Um, okay. We're in Marietta. Uh, we have a training facility out there, and then we have a shooting range up in Dahlonega that we also 
run. So uh, we're really easy. We're all over social media. If you plug in the complete combatant, you're going to find us right away. Okay. Well, that's that's a good thing for people to know. We sit here and talk for an hour, and they don't know where you are, where you're from. It's just kind of a <laughs> it's a ninja yeah. interview, we kinda, right? <laughs> we we, we kind of missed part of it if you didn't do that. Uh, well, I want to. Uh, we're coming up to the end of the program here, and I want to thank you, uh, Brian, for being here, and and your lovely wife Shelley for making sure that we got it right. Um, <laughs> those of, those of you that don't know Shelley uh, or know Shelley will appreciate that she's uh, she she's on the ball about everything. Uh, but we appreciate you being here. I want to thank you for coming down and, and uh, hope uh, and we will see you again in the future, at least at the the uh, convention. And um, we'll probably have you on here again when you get some new programs going. It, it's always nice to have somebody that uh, is as well versed as you are in the, the training. I uh, want to remind everybody, go to georgiacarry.org. Uh, you can uh, renew, you can join, you can uh, find out everything we've done. You can contact us, you can follow us at Carry on Twitter. I'm at GotYourBack64. You can download the commercial free podcast there as well as here at Newstalk1160.com. And we will see you next week. Thanks for listening to GeorgiaCarry.org Radio, hosted by Georgia Carry's Executive Director, Jerry Henry. GeorgiaCarry.org is Georgia's no-compromise voice for gun owners. Join us each week for information on protecting your Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms. GeorgiaCarry.org Radio, Saturday mornings at 8 only on News Talk 1160, the talk of the town.